Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for episode five of our bi-weekly BitCast. My name is Bert Sons, and I'm joined by Ainsley Bowden. Hello, everyone. Uh, we have a busy BitCast for you today. We actually have our main topic later on. We're going to be joined by Jordan Simmons. We're actually going to be linking it in our description below because it's kind of a longer main topic today. The actual main topic was excellent games that sold poorly and poor games that sold really well. So you'll see it in our description. We're, when we get to that part of the BitCast, we're going to mention it and then going to cut to our r remainder of our BitCast so it doesn't keep you for a three-hour podcast. So um, we're going to start with our news today. We have a ton of news that we've kind of condensed a little bit for you, but we've tried to condense it to the main topics that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'll go ahead and get started, and I'll share it with Ains as we go through the actual notes. So uh, we continue to see some more talk of some Wii U ports coming to the Switch. Uh, the latest talk that we've been hearing is actually from a developer, and that's Platinum Games. They've been dropping a lot of hints um, of some Wii U ports coming to the uh, Switch. Uh, the big names that are being talked about right now are the wonderful 101. So if you didn't get a chance to play that game, it was a first-party Wii U title. A lot of fun. You're able to play with some superheroes and kind of uh, join into one big, I guess, collective superhero in that game. Um, and then Bayonetta 2, which was the real Wii U game, but it came bundled with Bayonetta 1. Um, and Platinum Games has been doing a lot of interesting things these days. They've had some PC ports that have come out where they've actually upped the frames per second to 60 as a just a standard um, and then pushed the resolution to 1080p on some of their games. So we're kind of seeing some hints from Platinum Games, nothing official yet. Um, and it has been, um, I should say, nothing official as to what games are coming, but it is official news from Platinum. So this does not fall under our rumors and fake news things. So if you're a Platinum Games fan and you're hoping to see some stuff on the Nintendo Switch sometime soon, it might be coming. We should be hearing some more, especially with some of the conferences coming. Ains, did you play any of those uh, Bayonetta games? I know we talked about in the past and you did not touch one of them. I can't remember which one it was. No, I actually haven't played either of them. And I never played Wonderful 101 either. So, uh, yeah, not too much to add here. I think if, uh, you know, they optimize some of these things. We've talked before around um, Wii U ports that we expect to see more of those coming to the Switch. So it's not really a huge surprise, especially with Bayonetta 2, you know, being um, being so critically acclaimed that I wouldn't surprise to see it come to the Switch. But, uh, yeah, I think it's good news overall. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the things. I mean, the Wii U overall console adoption was not as high as Nintendo was expecting, so a lot of people didn't get to those games. So this potentially coming to the Switch is probably going to be a good thing for a lot of gamers. Um, continuing with the uh, Switch news, um, some coders, or I should say some modders, were trying to mod some of the Switch stuff, and they did find some good news for a lot of people, and that's that there is an NES uh, emulator that they found um, when they were modding. So while we don't have the virtual console that a lot of people have been wanting from a Nintendo perspective, we have seen some Neo Geo games that have been on the Switch. Hopefully that means that the virtual console is right around the corner. It already has an NES emulator built in. So um, let's see what happens. Still no official news from Nintendo as to when um, the virtual console is coming. We do know that it is coming. We just don't know when. So maybe we'll see that coming in the fall. So some big news for Switch fans there if you're a Switch owner. Yeah, I continue to think that, uh, you know, the Switch, Switch excuse me, launch um, time frame in March was uh, a, a more of a rush decision, right? Because the, the OS seems kind of, I don't, half-baked would be kind of harsh, but it doesn't have a lot of features. You know, it doesn't have Netflix, doesn't have any of the apps. Uh, the online service isn't ready. The uh, capability um, <clears throat> for things like virtual console, things that were already on the Wii or Wii U aren't there either. And uh, it just seems like um, Nintendo wasn't fully ready to, to push the Switch out yet. So I, I don't know if this is just one of those things sitting in the background waiting for them to finish up, you know, with later this year or early next, but we'll see. Um, but continuing along the Switch lines as well is uh, one of the better pieces of news is it's still been relatively hard to get a Switch if you don't have one. Um, and, you know, people are still kind of monitoring sites like Amazon and Walmart and Best Buy and those retailers to see when they pop up. And people still post about it on social media and things. But Nintendo did announce formally that production is, is ramping up. And uh, I, I know personally I've started to see more of them in stock, not only locally, but people posting online saying, hey, you can get these now, including uh, some of the add-ons like the, the multicolored Joy-Cons and things like that. So that's good news for people that have been waiting or looking to get one. 
Yeah, if you're a GameStop shopper, I know that GameStops near me have been putting out um, signs outside of their doors lately saying games, or sorry, Nintendo Switch available, um, also available online. So that's kind of an interesting thing I hadn't seen before at a retail brick and mortar place is they are now talking about what their stock looks like online. So you should be able to find a Switch a little better. So good news. Yep. And then um, piece on uh, Nier Automata, which I, I believe you started playing, Bird, and I, you might know about this more than me, but uh, some news came out about, you know, uh, it did launch on PC, but the, apparently has a lot of issues. And so they've been kind of waiting for a, a patch um, on Nier to make that run on PC like it should. Uh, as I understand it, it's still kind of struggling. Did you? Did you? Uh, have yeah, so. Yeah, so the fans of Nier Automata, if you've played it on PC, a lot of people have been hit with kind of the Arkham Knight situation that happened on PC. The game's pretty much broken um, from a standpoint of frames per second, loading and even a lot of freezes in a lot of areas. The developer did come out and say that they are working on a patch to fix those things. There has not been a patch dated yet, and we don't know exactly when to expect that patch, but a lot of people have kind of shelved Nier Automata from a PC standpoint. So the PS4 owners, that's, that's being talked about for game of the year in a lot of different circles. So we'll see if it does that. But for the PC people that are waiting, just keep in mind a patch is coming. The developer has not completely scrapped the PC game as they did with the Batman game a while ago. So we'll see what happens, but still no date. So kind of sad news and good news at the same time. Gotcha. So moving on to a couple uh, couple small pieces of news here is that uh, Overwatch, you know, still one of the most played games right now. Uh, so they introduced Doomfist, their new character, and uh, yeah, there's not a whole lot to say on this one. Um, you know, the gameplay of him looks pretty cool. I haven't played it myself, but um, I think that with uh, Blizzard continuing to release more maps and characters, I think that, uh, you know, if they if they kind of um, develop the modes a little more, that'll definitely be a game that gets more play for me down the line. Uh, we've talked about before that we played it quite a bit early on, but kind of dropped off of it. So I uh, haven't touched on that one yet. For Doomfist, but um, the other piece is uh, Cuphead, one of our most anticipated games, which we've also talked about. There was some speculation and people asking, "Hey, is this game ever coming to PlayStation 4?" And uh, basically, Studio MDHR, the the brothers behind Cuphead, came out and definitively said that no, this is a full stop Xbox and uh, PC platform exclusive. It will not be coming to PS4 at any time. So I don't know what their future plans are for anything following Cuphead, knowing how long it takes took to uh, make that game you know who knows but uh for cuphead itself that's uh xbox one and uh pc only yeah for the horizon zero dawn fans uh they did get some uh, i guess a preparation patch for the dlc that is on the way but the the biggest updates to the standalone game is they did get a new game plus mode um and this is where you can replay the game with your same you know, outfits, your same weapons and everything. Um, however, the level cap of 50 still exists, so you can't go past 50. If you've already fully leveled your character out and just want to play it again, you'll obviously be a little bit limited, but um, you can still do it again with your with your infra, your stuff that you had. Um, the other option that was added, there is a new ultra hard mode, and that's simply that makes the uh, enemies a little bit more uh, aware of you being around. They make them a little bit more aggressive, so that's going to be a big thing. Um, there's new trophies and new paint options as well for the customization of Aloy. So if you've been wanting and waiting for that, it's here. Um, like I said, it was mainly in preparation for the DLC coming, but some cool features that was added to an already stellar game. So I can't wait to play that. Um, the other big uh, PlayStation 4 news for a game that's already, again, on the Game of the Year talks is Neo. Uh, their second DLC is on the way. It is going to be called Defiant Honor. It did get a release date, and it is, it is going to be releasing on the 25th of July, so right around the corner. And it's going to be sitting at a standalone of $10. So I know both of us really like that game. I didn't get the first DLC, but I've, I'm really looking forward to the game in general with all the DLCs. Um, and for a good price, it's only 10 bucks, so can't really complain too much. Yeah, I've got a lot of time into Neo. I, I haven't finished it, I'm sad to say, but I did enjoy it a lot. I think my one complaint about it was the uh, the level design in the sense that they're kind of chunks of levels or, you know, uh, rather than something like Souls, which is open, uh, like one large open world. But other than that, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, I haven't checked out the DLC, but hopefully will in the future. Um, so you talked about Horizon Zero Dawn and Neo, you know, a couple PlayStation 4 exclusives. One more piece on the, on the PS4 while we're at it is that... Um, Sony has finally released PlayStation 4 games on their PlayStation Now service. So, you know, the streaming that you can stream for, uh, I believe it's, is it $10 a month or $100 a year to subscribe? Yeah, so it's 99 a year, uh, $10 a month. Right. So, depending on what um, you want to do. so they finally added PS4 games to that service. Um, I know there's been some 
complaints, excuse me, around the the titles they pick, though. You know, they're not really any of the premier titles you would expect to see, but it's nice to see that they're finally getting to that catalog of games. I mean, you know, PS4 and Xbox One, believe it or not, are coming up on four years old, even though it may not feel like it. So they should get around to that. The one caveat here that I saw, uh, so two negatives, though, is that they Sony did announce that they're ending support for PS3 and Vita. And uh, as a huge Vita fan, you know, it's just sad to see the the death <laughs> of that system and basically all across the board, you know. Um, but the one um, negative I think about streaming, and we've talked about this before, you know, the, the negatives around streaming is just the bandwidth concerns. And so these PlayStation 4 titles that you can stream actually only run in 720p. Um, so you're not really getting the best experience, especially if you don't have, uh, you know, like a high-end internet provider. So that's just something to think about. Um, I know they do offer something like a seven-day free trial. So if you're on the fence about it, use that free trial before you make any sort of commitment to it. Yeah, one thing to keep in mind is to not confuse the uh, Xbox Game Pass with PlayStation now. One is a streaming service. The other one, you actually download the game and have it on your console. So uh, Digital Foundry did a lot of tests with PSN now, or sorry, PS now, um, on to how it, how it flows. And yeah, you do get a tiny bit of lag, but the games are still playable. So if, if you're kind of on the fence or interested about it, like, like Ains said, try out the trial. There's some good stuff coming. However, the games that they're bringing to PSN now are all launch titles. There's only a few games that have been released within the last year. So take a look at that before you jump on. So Battlefront 2, uh, one of the games we're looking for forward to, excuse me, uh, the most this year, they've announced their beta, So uh, which seems, as usual, they, we use the word beta for everything nowadays, but it looks to be more of a server stress test, really. That's going to be October 4th. If you pre-order, you'll get two days early access to the beta. And then the open beta is going to be uh, October 6th through October 9th. Um, so uh, really looking forward to that. I've heard great things from the people who have played it. You know, we've commented about the, the what was lacking in Battlefield, excuse me, Battlefront 1. Um, but really looking forward to trying that. And then uh, <clears throat> GT Sport, Gran Turismo. The next iteration of that series is finally coming. Uh, October 17th is the release date. You and I have have talked, you know, a little bit about this as as car guys, and uh, we've been a bit critical of it for the lack of content and some of the shortcuts that the Gran Turismo series takes. Um, I am not hugely excited for it for those reasons. I will definitely try it, but uh, just looking at the content and looking at what, um, as I've said before, Forza Seven and uh, especially on the Xbox One X and um project cars 2 even with they just announced this last week they're going to have 60 tracks in that game all digitally recreated whereas uh and forza 7 has over 700 cars and something like 30 35 tracks whereas gt sports offering like 120 cars and 20 some tracks it just it seems a really bare bones comparison um and i also know that the gameplay itself hasn't been what i've been looking for for years so i don't know how i'm going to feel about that one um a couple things that are um I did want to touch on backwards compatibility that have come out in the last um, week or two from Xbox One. Super Street Fighter Arcade Edition um, did become backwards compatible as of July 13th. Um, Earth Defense Force Insect Armageddon, as if that title is not a, a long enough, uh, did come out on 7-11, so July 11th. Um, for F1 fans, F1 2014, kind of one of the better titles before they changed into the hybrid engines, um, did also come out on the 11th. And if you're a Call of Duty fan that is still playing Ghost, which I still know a few of you guys that still do on the 360, that was June 29th. So some big backwards compatibility games came out. I think you probably know the last person who's still playing Ghost, to be honest. Yes, yes, I do. I do. <laughs> um, but no, funny enough, you know, people were excited about that. And I, I was kind of confused because Ghost came out as an Xbox One game. So I don't, I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure why that was big news. Yeah, that, yeah the weird thing about that is regardless of which console you're playing on, your loadouts, your level and everything carried over between both consoles. So that was one thing that I applauded them for between mm -hmm. the two generations is regardless of if you played everything on 360 and you wanted to upgrade to the Xbox One version, you'd literally log in and the uh, Microsoft service would pick up where you left off and it would give you everything. So that was kind of cool. That is. That's neat. Um, new service. Uh, so we talk about PlayStation now. You mentioned Xbox Game Pass. So there's a new service called Jump that is coming to uh, PC to start. I don't know if they're going to come to the consoles later, but pretty interesting. So it's going to focus on indie titles. Uh, it's going to launch with something like uh, 60 
titles, I believe, out of the gate, uh, and they're going to look to add a maximum of about 10 a month because there's so many indie titles out there right now, um, especially, unfortunately, a ton of shovelware on things like Steam. But for $10 a month, you're going to be able to download all these titles and play it very similar to Game Pass, but it's going to focus on indie development. And they, their goal is really to highlight uh, some of the better indie games that may get looked over or overlooked, excuse me, um, you know, that release. So there's so many games coming out nowadays that, you know, 20 games will release in a week and maybe one gets any attention, whereas, you know, maybe five good games kind of just get ignored. So their goal is to kind of highlight some of these and, and have people checking out these games that may have not had an audience otherwise. So I thought that was really cool. The company, um, small company, but they look very dedicated to it and they've been really responsive on social media and things. So thought that was uh, something neat. And I really hope something like that uh, indie game subscription can either tie into Game Pass um, or come to Xbox One and PlayStation 4. Like, it's going to be interesting, I think, to see, and, and Phil Spencer's commented on this a bit too, it's going to be interesting to see over the next, say, few years to see how these subscription services kind of align because we know what happened in the in the TV and movie scene with Amazon and um, Netflix and Hulu and, you know, all those other ones. And so you obviously don't want to have, you know, 10 separate subscriptions on your console or PC. So how are they going to kind of unite or, or fall under a single banner? It's going to be interesting, I think, over the next few years. Yeah, for sure. That's great for indie developers. And I've had a lot of fun with indie titles lately compared to just the AAA titles. So I, it's always good to see that. Um, <clears throat> huge news here uh, for many, many people, and that's the Destiny 2 beta. So that is, uh, you know, uh, I, what's the actual start date for that? I'm not sure if that started today. I think, uh, you know, PlayStation players got one day early access and uh, the preload was up, I know, uh, a day or two ago. So, you know, it's probably millions or even tens of millions of people excited to jump into that and see what Bungie's done for Destiny 2. Uh, I'm going to give it a shot on the open beta side, but I'm not hugely looking forward to it. Um, you know, Destiny is, uh, we, we've talked about our thoughts on that many times. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of people are excited about it. Um, you know, I might even give it a spin just to kind of see what it is um, and what, what we're actually getting from it. I know that there's been a little bit of a leak as far as what's going to be there. I think they're going to have one map on the multiplayer standpoint that you can kind of play. Um, and as far as like dates, I know the uh, for PS4 it is July 18th through the 20th um, because you get it uh, one day early. Um, and for Xbox One owners, it's July 19th and 20th. Um, and if you're a PC person still waiting to kind of see the best version of the game, unfortunately, are going to be capped for consoles. It's going to be in August with no specific dates yet. So uh, registration, you can still go onto the Destiny site and you can register there and get what you need. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I couldn't remember the exact dates on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned multiplayer, and that's one of my biggest kind of... Uh, gripes with the game is, you know, they confirmed that multiplayer for Destiny 2 is still going to be peer-to-peer -peer, uh, connections and still run at 30 frames, and I just, I have no idea why. There's no excuse for that. Every other shooter that's coming out, even on, you know, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, base consoles is going to be running at 60, so, or, or near 60, so it just seems odd. Um, going back to Nintendo real quick, so they just yesterday announced that uh, they're ending 3DS XL production. So originally it was thought to only be Japan, and then Nintendo came out and clarified and said it's going to be Europe as well. Um, I believe, I don't know if it was worldwide, I, I couldn't remember the, the last update, there were some kind of clarifications needed. So the, the new 2DS XL is still coming, but the 3DS XL, not the new 3DS, uh, is ending production. So I, it, it's always been kind of confusing to me how they've handled the 3DS with all those various models and updates. Um, but, um, you know, it seems like they're just kind of cleaning up their portfolio a little bit. Yeah, that would be my assumption as well. Um, and I wonder if they're actually canceling it as well to give some more traction for the Switch since it's technically a handheld and a home console. So we'll see what happens on that, too. Um, we had some big updates this past week for our consoles. So if you're an Xbox One owner, you did get the update that has been kind of in beta version for a while. And it's actually a pretty big update. It's uh, came out on the 13th. So it was a Thursday. Um, it did add a whole bunch of new stuff. And I'm going to be kind of showing um, kind of in, in the window here a little bit as to what it has. So you have custom gamer picks now. Um, it does need to be a JPEG or PNG. Uh, you can also update that from your phone. So if you have the Xbox One app, 
on your phone, that also got an update, and you can literally add a picture that you have on your phone somewhere, which is pretty neat. Yeah, um, real real quick on that, Bert. Um, yep. Sorry to sorry to interject. The, yep. You can also do it from the Xbox app on uh, Windows 10. And yep. ideally, uh, I believe Major Nelson said, ideally the image size would be 1080 by 1080. So if you're looking that's for correct. a good size for that, that's what you want to go for. Yeah, and it's kind of cool. I mean, it's uh, it's it's seemed in really, really well with the console. I know a lot of people have been asking for it, and you can kind of do that now. The other thing that is new uh, to everybody versus the, the beta testers that this has been available for a while is Mixer co-streaming. So um, this is pretty much like Twitch, but it's the Microsoft version. It is Mixer. And you can co-stream with your friends, and you can have a pretty much a split screen up to, I believe, is it four that you can do the, the co-stream with? Um, that's now available for everyone. Yeah, so it's you and, and three buddies, four total. Um, I've used it uh, the, in the co-streaming. It works flawlessly. Um, it really is very, very easy to use. Um, it's, it's very fast. You can do it right from your voice party. So essentially, you open a stream, and if you're talking to your buddies, playing whatever game you're playing, you can say invite you know friends to co-stream or party to co-stream, and boom, it's, it's done. It's really impressive. Yep. Uh, the other cool thing now is you can sign in with your controller. So a lot of people are like, hey, I thought I've always been able to sign in with my controller. Well, if you have multiple users on your console, uh, whether it be gamer tags, you can assign your gamer tag to a specific controller. When that controller turns on, it automatically signs you in. So that's kind of a really cool feature. Um, in my household, we have three different gamer tags on there, and we constantly have to go log in, go to the top, and then choose which one you're going to sign in if there is someone not auto-signed in. So with this new controller feature, it's a pretty cool feature. Um, I've actually set it up already, and it works flawlessly too. So it's good that they finally got it out of testing. Um, the last thing that is uh, one of the four big things from this update, aside from just improvements on the system, is updates to Arena. So if you've used Arena before, like with Killer Instinct, they do have a new way to set up tournaments with your friends. Um, and so you can kind of have all your gamer tags lined up, and you kind of see the whole tree of the tournament um, cross through with it. So um, some pretty awesome updates from Xbox One for the July release. A uh, good place to go outside of us, obviously, uh, on a biweekly basis, is you can follow Major Nelson on Twitter. He has awesome updates with everything coming with the console updates. You can kind of see exactly what they are with demo videos from it, too. Um, the last update that we saw this week is for the PlayStation 4, and unfortunately, we didn't get much more um, details besides improved performance. So um, I'm not sure you're going to see too many much, too much of a difference at all when you log in, but you were prompted on, I believe it was the 11th, uh, that Tuesday or Wednesday of this past week, you did get prompted for a system update. So that is, once again, for improved performance. So we didn't get any details on what it was aside from that. Yeah, any other think, news from you? No, I, I think I was just going to say that I think that was just one of their more minor updates, right? Just to probably a few bugs in the background that most people don't experience, so nothing major there. Yeah, so um, moving on to our developer and industry news, we like to usually talk about what's going on in the industry, whether it be new news from the industry in general or developers. But uh, we did get some awesome news this week if you're an audiophile in any form whatsoever. Um, Netflix is kind of one of the first people that are doing this, but they're bringing Dolby uh, Atmos to the Xbox One and also uh, LG TVs, and it's only specific models. I'm assuming it's probably going to be some of their higher-end TVs. If you have no idea what Dolby Atmos is, I'm going to point you right over to Ainsley. Go ahead and explain what Dolby, Dolby <laughs> Atmos is. Yeah, so I am kind of an audiophile. Um, I have a, a really, not really high-end, because you can spend hundreds of thousands of dollars if you want to, but a, a pretty high-end home theater. So Dolby Atmos is, uh, the easiest way to put it for people who aren't audiophiles is it's 3D sound. So if you imagine surround sound has always been circular in a room, it kind of surrounds you. Uh, Atmos takes that and adds layers above you as well. So essentially, um, if you go to an Atmos-supported um, theater, they will actually have speakers that not only line the walls, as, as is typical, but also the ceiling. And so it really creates the sense of uh, immersion in the sound uh, that is just absolutely stunning. Like if you... If you haven't experienced it and you are interested in it, try and look locally if you can find a, uh, a one of the big blockbuster movies that's being supported in true Atmos or a theater that supports it and go see it. You will be amazed. Um, this is really neat. Uh, I, I will say it, it just goes to show you that they're supporting um, some really neat stuff. It's, it's like an open codec that Xbox is supporting so that you can process the sound signal through your home theater. 
very few people are running Dolby Atmos setups right now because it's very expensive to run in your home. You know, you have to have a receiver that supports it, but more expensive or more, what's more difficult to set up is actually the speakers, right? Because you have to have the speakers placed in all these unique locations. So um, I'm not running it. I would love to, but just financially it's uh, and, and between the room I'm in, it's kind of tough to do so. But it's it's still really neat that they're supporting this for the uh, home theater enthusiasts. Yeah, one of the key things there is that it is coming through Netflix, the streaming service first. Um, there's only about four or five shows that are going to have this ability to actually have Dolby Atmos plugged in. Um, if you don't have the setup, however, they did mention that they're going to be able to send it through your headphones. It's not going to be a legit Dolby Atmos experience, obviously, because you don't have that, but it is going to have a virtualized mix uh, through your headset. So you'll be able to kind of take advantage of that. Yeah, and I, I believe that uh, there's one or two official uh, Xbox One supported headsets that are going to have Atmos support too. So it's not this, obviously not the same as you said, but it, you know, for people using headsets, it could be a really neat feature. Yeah, and some really hilarious news this week. Um, <laughs> how long ago did Half-Life 1 come out, Ains? Do you, do you have a date by chance? or? Uh, I have no idea. God, yeah, you're going back. Uh, um, I, it would have to be, I would say, early 2000s. I don't um, I don't know. Honestly, I can't, I can't remember. Yeah, so Half-Life 1, um, I need to look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll follow up on this one um, as to when it was. I'll do but that. Believe, believe it or not, Valve just released an update on that game. So um, when Ains gives us the, uh, the date of when that came out, the new updates, however, are just optimization. So there was a few bugs that were in the game um, between level loading and in some levels where there was some freezing with some enemies. But guess what? That bug has been fixed. So um, that's mainly for PC. So if, the, if you're playing any of uh, the ports that came over um, from some of the re-optimizations on other stuff, it's not going to get that. It's just on PC, obviously off Steam. So you'll be able to get an update through there. So it goes to show you how fast time does fly. You were right. It was 1998. So it's coming up on 20 years yeah. old. Yeah, there you go. That patch you've been waiting for for 20 years is finally here. So <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. It works on Windows 95, you know, all your newest PCs. Man, Windows 95, I don't even know how to start. <laughs> um, so the other uh, kind of interesting news, this is mainly for PC players, but I thought it was worth mentioning because I think we're going to start seeing some of this in the console industry. Is um, Also, the game is also on console too, so not to get away from that, but a lot of this game has been played on PC. Um, Studio Wildcard, um, they have recently uh, are currently still developing the game Ark. Um, the previous game when that came out, it was a kind of an early access game where you could kind of play the game that's currently in beta form as they continue to develop the game was $30. Well, this past week, they raised that game to $60. Um, and that has a lot of people really upset, mainly because they've been beta testing this game. Um, this developer has kind of a negative uh, for a lot of people because they ended up in the middle of doing that game. They had some DLC that released and they charged people for that DLC. And I think the DLC uh, cost was $20. So you're playing an early access game for 30. They, in the middle of currently developing a game, they charge you for DLC that they add for the game that's not 100% completed yet. And now that the game is getting closer to an official release, which doesn't always happen to early access, they've now raised that game to $60. So um, the other kind of weird thing is this game has been in early access for two years or coming up on two years. So some people not very happy about it. Some people have said, that's it, I'm done. Um, for people that haven't played the game yet, you probably don't care about it. But for the people that have been beta testing this game for the developer, not the happiest. Yeah, this is a really weird one. Um, and and you, you, you kind of, everything you said was, was right um, in the sense that they, they weren't even to version 1.0 yet of the game uh, in preview and early access. And uh, they released DLC, which makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so I don't know how well those sold. I would hope, just personally, that uh, people just kind of said no. And, and I hope it didn't sell well, because we certainly would not like to see, in my opinion, this become a trend in the industry. That's just ridiculous. Um, there's some I've supported quite a few games in preview and through Kickstarter and things like that, crowdfunding. Um, and that's probably the worst instance I've seen. Maybe, uh, what was the the mighty number nine? Uh, we won't even oh, talk God. about that. That one's been, that's been a disaster. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's other companies right now I'm following on early access titles that I support. And they, 
they're, they've been great. You know, it's like we're not doing anything until we get to version 1.0, and that's what we're working on. And they give updates weekly or biweekly. So this this is just bizarre. I don't understand this at all, but I'm definitely not supporting it. Yeah. Well, a lot of news from developer and industry news and um, some good stuff, some funny stuff and some bad news for everybody. So we'll go ahead and move on to more of our, our newer categories. And that's going to be rumors and fake news, as we like to call it. And uh, one of the first things that was rumored this week and has been extremely misinterpreted by a lot of the bigger gaming sites, which has ha been happening a lot these days, in the way they title their videos or articles. And want to make sure this is clear. This was actually mentioned by an analyst, an industry analyst, on a social media Twitter account. And it's from Adam Pachter. And it is regarding the PlayStation 5. So Sony has not officially announced the PlayStation 5, everybody. There's been a lot of articles that have said PlayStation 5 coming in 2019. That is not what's going on. This was an article that was mentioned based on a guy talking about hardware and where we are in the industry today. I think the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One is in year four. So based on where we are, it is about time for those console makers to start thinking about and start planning for the next console. Um, the only thing Sony has even hinted about this thing is that the next full uh, console that is coming from Sony PlayStation is going to be a new console, not a middle refresh as kind of what happened with the Pro. So that's the only solid news we have from Sony. The current news that is actually real and not a rumor or fake news is that Michael Pachter said that we are, sorry, Adam Pachter, that um, he being where it should be in the industry. There is officially no launch date for a PlayStation 5. 2019 is not official from Sony. We'll see what more what happens in upcoming conferences and news from Sony, but this is currently fake news slash rumors. So keep that in mind. Yeah, this is, uh, this is sadly one of the things that we hate. And one of the reasons we do what we do here at Season Gaming is, um, there's just so much misinformation out there right now in, in this industry. And as you said, Pachter talked about, he's been an analyst on video game industry for a long time. He talked about the PlayStation, uh, the next PlayStation possibly releasing earlier than expected. And it could be a half step, but that's not what Sony has said. Sony has said that there will be a PlayStation 5 and that it's a long ways off. As you said, that's the only thing that Sony has said about it. And, uh, you know, this is a whole combination of things, right? This is a combination of uh, people being uh, two behind one company and, and wanting to wish things. Um, there's a lot of speculation because the X1X is coming out later this year. And now people are saying, oh, that's delayed and PlayStation 5 is coming next year and just all these ridiculous things. So these people, uh, you know, they have no credibility. They obviously don't understand hardware development. And uh, frankly, it's not even really worth talking about a whole lot. So we know the X1X is coming in November. We've talked about that at, at length. We will absolutely see a PlayStation 5 and Xbox, uh, <laughs> whatever they de decide to name the next one, um, you know, uh, maybe a few years from now. But I don't expect to see, personally, I don't expect to see anything from either company before, you know, 2020, in my opinion. But um, you know, yeah, the, yeah, this doesn't really deserve a lot more discussion. Yeah, and it, one, it is Michael Pactor, by the way. I said Adam for some weird reason, but it's Michael Pactor. And really quick on Michael Pactor, he gets a lot right, but a lot wrong too. So don't take too much of it to heart. And as, as Ainsley said, let's just go ahead and move on. So um, one of the other uh, rumors um, currently going on is No Man's Sky. As we all know, that game kind of hit and miss depending on what you follow and how much you love the game. But in a recent PDF that was kind of found, they did mention that there's some big updates coming for August. Um, and we'll see what those are. But at the current time, the developer has not come out and said there is a big release or what the details of that release will be for August. So at the current time, it's just rumored. Once again, uh, this has been something that has been kind of uh, some of the industry has kind of run with and said, hey, there is exactly a big update coming for No Man's Sky in, in, the, in the past. But that is not correct. It is still currently a rumor. We'll go ahead and wait and see what um, they end up doing with that game. So we shall see. Yeah, I mean, um, I bought No Man's Sky at launch. Not going to talk too much about it. I, I was kind of in the middle camp. I didn't think it was great, but I did play it quite a bit. Um, so it, uh, it it has been updated well since they launched, but you know, it's been out for something like a year now, right? And uh, it's great that they continue to support it and it'll be free, but um, you know, No Man's Sky has been talked about to death, so we don't have to keep going on that one. Yeah. The last rumor, which is uh, near and dear to me and uh, Jordan's hearts, is uh, Mass Effect. Um, there's been a lot of talk the last, 
I hear someone laughing over there, but I think they're on. It was near. It was near and dear to me as well until Andromeda. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Uh, that's another. That's but, another uh, topic. Yeah. So regarding that, um, there has been a lot of talk regarding uh, Anthem and the fact that there is no DLC coming for Andromeda. Uh, just want to mention that is not 100% official yet. Um, however, it's probably likely that um, all the resources have been pushed over to Anthem and that we're not going to see a DLC. The negative from that is Andromeda does leave you with a whole bunch of cliffhangers that in previous Mass Effects were kind of handled and answered from a DLC standpoint, more specifically Mass Effect 2 and 3. So the studio has not come back and said, we have shelved this game, it is done. You're not going to see DLC from us again. But currently right now, that is a rumor. It is not official news. We'll go ahead and follow it closely, mainly because a couple of us love the game. Um, So... (laughs) Well, we shall see, but currently that's a rumor. So just keep in mind if you're an Andromeda fan, um, officially dead yet, but it's more than likely going to happen. So we'll see what happens with that rumor. Yeah, they're they're so. shoveling dirt onto it as we speak. <sighs> that's not that's not even funny. Not even <laughs> funny. Um, okay, so uh, that's our fake news and uh, rumors uh, topic for uh, this week. Um, let's go ahead and talk about what we're currently playing and new releases. So Ainsley, what are you what are you playing in these days? What have you finished? What are you currently working on? What's going on? Yeah, so um, I finished. Uh, went back and played Last of Us again. I played the uh, you know PS4 remastered version. I wanted to play it on the Pro and the the OLED TV. So it's uh, it's gorgeous it's actually surprisingly beautiful for being a game that was originally on playstation 3 finished it the last week and uh i started a new series on the site uh called revisiting the classics and i used it as a uh, kind of our debut article for that series that we're going to be running with so um it is uh i could spend probably 20 minutes i almost made a video actually talking about how my love for that game it is fantastic it's one of the greatest stories ever written in games i think it's a better story than most movies and uh, I could just go on and on about it. So uh, finished that, loved it. Articles up on the site if you want to check it out. Um, I want to get back to Persona 5. I think that's kind of next on my go back to list. I've got, like I said, 30, 35 hours into that game, and I want to continue with it. So that's that's fantastic. And then outside of those single player things, uh, just been doing our normal social gaming. So still playing some Marvel Heroes Omega and enjoying that. Uh, still playing NHL regularly just for for goofs and Smite. Play a lot of Smite. Um, and we've gone back to gears a little bit, right? So been been having fun with uh, with playing some gears again. So, but uh, other than that, that's about it. The game we're really looking forward to that you'll be hearing more from us on uh, the Bert and I included and a couple of our other buddies are going to be playing is Fortnite. So Fortnite comes out next week officially. Um, they're calling it early access because they're going to release some free to play version of the game next year. But it really is kind of a retail release. So, you know, it's coming. You can get it in boxed uh, retail form. $60 and uh, it just looks fantastic. So I've been watching a lot of the uh, developer interviews and some of the, the videos on that and really looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, so my stuff, I've, I've been solely on PS4 um, from a single player standpoint for a couple of weeks now. And um, I finally picked up Mass Effect Andromeda. I was kind of waiting for a while through all the negative press and everything. It's crazy to think that that's a 2017 game that's already been forgotten for a lot of people. But I picked it up on PS4 just for the, the pro enhancements. Um, I am loving it, um, despite there being some bugs here and there. So uh, the uh, the concerns and the criticism that it received when it launched is 100% accurate. There's definitely um, some issues here and there. They have attempted now with two patches to fix facial animations. That's the biggest thing I got flack for. Um, they're still not fixed. Um, I would say that from a human standpoint in that game, the animations are still hit and miss, but from the other races of aliens that exist in that game, they're actually really, really good. So I'm not sure how they messed up the human facial animation so bad. Um, with that being said, the game is through um, a Mass Effect game. You still get the exploration, you still get the aliens, you still get the story, you still get your 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 team that you know comments to to each other while you're in missions and stuff. It's it's really good. Um, And it's actually, in my opinion, one of the prettiest games when it is running well on the Pro. Um, I had to disable a few features for it to get uh, run super smooth and not get a lot of drop frames and some freezing here and there. But yeah, it's still not perfect. If you're expecting a perfect game from it, it's not going to be that, which is kind of unfortunate because, um, as Jordan has mentioned, this may have killed the franchise for now, or at least put it on a long hold. If Anthem comes out and sells gangbusters and stuff, I have a feeling BioWare is going to be focusing on that for a while and kind of forget the Andromeda series. But um, as mentioned, regarding the DLC a second ago, it's super sad because the uh, DLC 
um, hopefully answer some questions if it ever comes out. Um, the other game that I'm playing that I started playing and then weirdly enough got shelved for Mass Effect is uh, Near Automata. So I finally picked it up. Um, it is really, really cool. Um, there's a few negatives that I've seen in the first uh, 10 hours of the game that have kind of turned me off, but not 100%. I plan to go right back to it after I finish Andromeda. Um, and then I'll be starting some other games on that series. But that's what I'm currently playing for a single player. Uh, socially, we're still playing our sports games together. Yeah, we picked up Gears again, which is kind of cool because... Um, it's, that game just continues to get optimized, and it's kind of crazy. They're still adding maps to it and stuff, so that's really cool. Um, and funny enough, I started playing some COD again with some friends locally, and that's still fun to play. So um, that's what I'm currently playing. So one thing I forgot to mention is uh, on the Ultimate Game Sale, you know, suppose Sony and, and Microsoft had those huge summer game sales. I actually picked up The Witness. That was a game that uh, I mentioned uh, missing in 2016. It got a, a ton of critical acclaim, and... And I really wanted to play it, so I picked it up uh, last week and uh, started playing it, and uh, I'm pretty disappointed in it. <laughs> I uh, Maybe I need to play it more. Um, I don't know what I expected. I mean, I knew what the premise was. I knew it was basically a puzzle game, um, and it kind of gives off those missed vibes, you know, uh, for those that go way back. But um, I'm just not really enjoying it. I think some of the things I, I get from the game in terms of... Uh, the scientific outlook, you know, some of the quotes from some of the famous scientists, I think, are fantastic. But uh, I don't know where the game is going. Maybe there's something later in the game that really is uh, intriguing or uh, thought-provoking. But right now, I'm <laughs> I'm kind of forcing myself to go through it. So we'll see. I'll talk about that more in the future. Yeah, I think that was one of those games that some um, people were mentioning that it, people are either going to love it or going to hate it. And I've even heard some of the people in the gaming industry that all they do is game for their job enjoyed it a lot more than people that are looking more for just like a chill out experience like this game can be frustrated but still fun so it just depends on what kind of personality you have and i've even heard some people have taken like a notebook along with them while playing to take notes to continue playing the game um and i don't know that's not my type of game uh some people love it good for them and i'm glad they enjoyed it but i i'm, I'm not even going to pick that one up at the moment until i hear something that is just awesome about it which i don't hear at the moment yeah, you're not, you're not going to hear that from me, I don't think. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I'm glad I got it on sale because right now it's kind of disappointing. But, uh, you know, I hope it. I hope I change my mind. So we'll see. Cool. So that's what we're currently doing in our, in our gaming world, uh, you know, individually um, and socially. So um, what are the new releases that have come out? Um, in doing so, I did want to introduce a, a site that I think a lot of people should follow or at least think about. It's Open Critic. Um, we, we actually leave a lot of our reviews on there. Uh, when we do review a game, we leave our score and our thoughts on it. Um, if you don't follow Metacritic for whatever reason, they've got you know different reasons to follow them or not. Uh, OpenCritic does it a really cool way. They have, first of all, their site's really fun to look at, but the way they do their scores is kind of fun as well. They have kind of like uh, specific categories of where they're at, and then they give a score between zero and 100 on, on the game. And so they kind of get all the critics together, very similar to Metacritic, and kind of put it in there. Um, so that's it's kind of neat. So when we start talking about these new releases, we'll be giving you kind of what the Open Critic score is, and you can also find us on Open Critic as to what we review our games with. So we're not one of those sites that gives that reviews every single game that releases. We kind of re re uh, review what we're playing, um, and then we put it on there. So that's how you can find us. Um, yeah. And I, so real quick on that one too, Bert. The nice thing about Open Critic uh, over Metacritic is that Metacritic has gotten some flack for the companies they let be involved in the score aggregate right um and there's some really questionable ones at times that bring games down you know there's some clear sites that have obvious bias that have ruined some of the metacritic scores for games on all platforms whereas open critic um they're a little more selective and they also have a different breakdown between uh actual kind of publications and and con contributors excuse me so you can find us uh kind of on, on both sides there but additionally, they also highlight um, the authors and the individual profiles of the people uh, reviewing the game. So, for instance, if you look at our review of Prey, you'll see me and you'll see the other games I've reviewed and things like that, whereas Metacritic is really kind of detached from from uh, the reviewer and what's happening there. So it's, it's kind of neat in that sense. 
Cool. So the uh, what I'm going to cover and going forward, what we'll cover is the games that have released uh, in our two-week span on our bi-weekly podcast. So the big game that released this week, it's been kind of a slow release schedule at this time of the year. We're going to see a lot of other stuff coming in the fall, but right now is always a slow release time. But Final Fantasy XII, this is uh, once again a, um, I guess you would call it a remaster slash remake. It's not an official remake but it is a remaster. Um, it did release on July 11th, and this is specifically only on the PS4. Um, and currently the score on that one is a Mighty slash 88. So it's an 88 score with a Mighty uh, score on there. So it's it's being reviewed really well across the board. If you're a Final Fantasy 12 fan, or if you never played this one, this might be a good opportunity for you. I've seen a lot of really good things and people loved it when it came out. Um, it did come out, was it PS2 um, originally? Um, yes. And it was towards the end of the PS2's life. So. Um, a lot of people missed it for that reason alone. People had already started moving over to the PS3. So yeah, it came out in 2006 when the PS3 launched. So that's yeah, that's a that's exactly right. Yeah, so a lot of people missed it. Um, some other smaller games that have come out um, is a game called uh, Black uh, Black the Fall. Came out on July 11th. Um, and this one's available on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. We're currently looking at a fair score with a 73. Um, so kind of in the middle. I, I would take a close look at it before just buying it unless you're really following this developer. Um, another big one, uh, we always talk, it seems like we always talk about Minecraft in some form or another, but this isn't your typical Minecraft. This is the Telltale series, um, which is more of a story-based. The actual uh, name of the game is called Minecraft Story Mode, um, and this is season two. So they've already had an entire season that's come through, and this is season two, episode one. Um, this also released on July 11th. Uh, it's currently scoring once again, um, not the highest. This isn't the, this isn't the pinnacle of the Telltale games, but it's still supposed to be pretty good. It's scoring a strong 76. Um, and it is available for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Yeah, um, another, for, sorry yeah, for our listeners, Bert. Um, yeah, my son, who's 12, uh, played all through all the episodes of uh, season one on that, and uh, really enjoyed it. So I think. Uh, you know, uh, if you're a huge Minecraft fan as an adult, maybe you'll enjoy it. But um, this is definitely aimed more towards uh, the cartoony type sense. And um, uh, just given the reference that my son really enjoyed that. So you might want to check it out for your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And the Tesla games are usually pretty good from a narrative standpoint in general. You can kind of control things. It's, it's a lot of fun. I've played most of them. I haven't touched the Minecraft one, but we'll see if I get to it. Um, the next one is Serial Cleaner. Um, this also, July 11th, I, a lot of these games I haven't even heard of before, but these are your smaller games, also scoring in the mid-70s with a 75. Um, it is also on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, so you can kind of pick it up on regardless of any platform that you may have. Um, the last one, and this was kind of a, a weird title, is called That's You. It's only on the PS4. If you're a PSN Plus subscriber, it's currently free. Um, this is scoring uh, a 74, a fair. Um, and this one released on the 4th of July. Um, and from what I've seen from the trailers, you kind of use pictures and do different things with pictures. So it's it might be just more of a PS4, just kind of some you can pick up for it. But um, I haven't played it, so I can't comment positive or negative, but it's scoring kind of a, a 74. So kind of let you know what you're getting. Okay, um, and so we did talk about the intro that we do have our main topic this week. It's actually gonna be a video separate from this one due to the length of that one and how long our current bidcast is. Um, you'll be able to follow it in our description below, like I kind of mentioned before. The topic this week is excellent games that sold poorly and poor games that sold extremely well. Um, each one of us, including Jordan Simmons, so me and Ains are gonna be on there talking about our list of what we think and why we think um, they didn't sell well or they do sell well um, in, in that category. So please follow us on there. Um, it'll be on there and on the video as well. You can kind of see it on there and, and see what you want to see from it. Um, so with that being said, we're going to jump to um, kind of our, our collectibles that we've kind of picked up these last couple weeks um, and that we continue to get. Um, Ains, you want to go first? Or what have you picked up? Yeah, so nothing too big uh, this week to talk about. Um, the only thing I was going to point out is I did pick this up, which is the uh, Halo Escalation Book 2. Uh, so hopefully you can see that. Um, this is, uh, for comic fans, it's more of what would be like an omnibus, right? So it's a collection of the um, Halo Escalation comics. So uh, specifically issues 13 through 24. So uh, as I think I mentioned before, um, I have the initial book as well. I collect all the Halo books, go figure. Um, but it, it, it's a really good story. Focus on uh, Sarah Palmer. It's got Halsey and, and, you know, obviously I won't ruin anything. But um, these collections are really nice because they, um, they not only have all the comics, but they also have a lot of uh, kind of 
things from the artists and the writers in here, additional artwork and, you know, things like this in the background, the things you didn't see in the original comics. So those things are really cool if you're a Halo fan. So um, these books are quite expensive. They, the retail in this one is $50, which is a little crazy. But, you know, if you find it on Amazon or some other booksellers, you can get it for about 35 So it's not as bad. But, yeah, if you uh, if you want to follow some of the extra Halo stories in the universe, these are these collections are really, really neat. But so that's all question. I this week. Yeah, yeah question, question on that from a Halo fan standpoint. Where in the Halo gaming series does this story take place? Is this between 3 and 4, Reach and 4? Where, where are we at with it? Yeah, so this is, uh, so it's before 5. Um, I, I believe, and I haven't even finished the whole thing, but I believe it would be around the time of 4 before 5. Okay, 4 and 5, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, you know, where they introduced... Uh, in the game canon, that's kind of where they introduce Sarah Palmer. Um, but there's uh, not even worth talking about spoilers. But there's a uh, you know a, a prime elite leader uh, in this series that uh, dies in in five, so um, it has to be right in that realm. Cool, very cool. And there's you know there's other series as well that are completely separate from the games entirely, just separate stories in the universe. So. It's a, it's a massive, massive world, similar to Star Wars, where if you get into the Star Wars books, you know, there's all kinds of stories that you can explore uh, in that universe if you if you really want to. I haven't done all of them, but some of these are really neat. Very cool. Well, um, I've had a poster-heavy uh, couple weeks um, and print-heavy thing. So um, last Friday, um, my wife got me some birthday tickets to what's called the Legend of Zelda Symphony of the Goddess concert. And so this was really cool because you would attend a symphony and there was a massive screen in the background where they would have Zelda gameplay. And what they played was uh, games from the actual, uh, sorry, mu uh, music from the games. Um, in doing so, I picked up this, uh, this poster which you can kind of see here. And I'm going to have this framed. I just wasn't sure what kind of a size and, and color I had. But it's a really cool uh, thing. It's a limited edition. I had to pick it up, and I hope to get it up here. It's got a lot of the series on here that you can kind of see. If you're a Zelda fan, you'll pick up on Wind Waker. Um, here you have Breath of the Wild, which is the new one. And you'll see Twilight Princess in the bottom down here. So um, a whole bunch of cool things there. So this is a really cool print means a lot to me just because I'm a big Zelda fan. Um, and then the other things that I did pick up are the special edition Cuphead posters, and it's these two. Um, this is the uh, second edition of them. So if you missed the first edition, those sold out pretty quick. Um, and they, uh, second editions are still available um, on Yeti.com, and they're the official uh, licensor that's actually uh, making these prints. Uh, there's only a hundred prints of the second edition. So I ended up going with the special edition of these, the um, the normal ones have different coloring. They're more of a uh, less colorful, I guess you would call it. Um, and because I'm a huge Cuphead fan and, and can't wait to uh, play the game. But um, Ains, I think you have the first edition standard colors. Is that right? Or do you have the... Um, so I've got a mix. So I've got the the one that I can see right behind your head there. Um, I actually have the first edition, special edition, and I believe it's in the single digits too. I was one of the very first people to get that when they released it on day one. Um, but for whatever reason, I don't know why, I didn't order the um, the second poster at the time. So I actually, the second poster, I have this exact same one as you. It's the sec it's a special edition, but it's the second run or second printing of it. Um, so I've got one of the originals and one of the second prints. Cool. Yeah, and the sizing is always it's off by like half an inch. It's a 15 and a half by 24 if you're interested and we're looking for it. Uh, it fits really good in a 16 by 24 frame, so I like that. Um, the special editions run about 40 bucks, and the standard editions run about uh, 35, I believe. The cool thing about them is that they are limited runs, and I bet you when this game does come out, and, and hopefully it's good as we, we're having our fingers crossed, it's not some horrible game, but these are going to be really hard to come by. The first editions are already going for 80, 90 bucks, so double the value on eBay for the first prints. So. See, Ains, you had something coming up there. What was that you were showing? <laughs> yeah, just no, I just happened to see I had them in the corner here. So I think we already talked about them before, right? The cup had oh, yeah, the plushes. So, plushes. yeah. Um, but no, I think you're right. I think the collectibles for that game are going to uh, probably really be sought after once the game releases, assuming it's as good as everyone thinks it's going to be. Yeah, with our luck, it'll be a horrible game after waiting so long. <laughs> but I'm not going to. I'm not going to put money on it. It'll just crush us. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're moving over to Season Reflections, one of our uh, favorite uh, sections of the game where we kind of talk about um, previous games that are 
you know, they don't have to be super old, but older that people may have missed and, and why they mean something else and why they like us. So I'll, I'll go first on this one. And I'm going just last generation and I'm going to go. This is the first game. I will say that part two is probably an overall better game, but part one means more to me just because of what this is. Um, the survival horror, just to kind of give you a heads up, survival horror was really struggling at this part in this generation and this part in time. The Resident Evils had gone. Um, well, Resident Evil 4 was good, but after that, they they had kind of changed and things were kind of not going well for that type of gameplay in general. Uh, Dead Space 1 came along and totally, it's probably in my top five games of all time. Uh, you play as this guy named Isaac and you are an engineer who gets stranded in space and there had something that had happened with uh, these type of alien uh, creatures that are taking over humans and they um, kind of turn them into what they call, I think it was a necromorphs, if I'm not mistaken. And you are an engineer, you're not a Marine that comes in with all these kind of guns. So you kind of put together different guns um, that you find in the spaceship and you have different ways of kind of decapitating them or taking their legs off or whatever. And the way the game develops into a different story and the way Isaac kind of changes throughout the game is just amazing to me. Um, you walk around, and I know, Ains, you mentioned Bioshock from a Prey standpoint. Well, when you play Dead Space, you kind of get a Bioshock vibe from a space third-person experience. It's not first-person. Um, and you kind of see what happened on the spaceship. You kind of see uh, the the negative of how the people started dying. And you can walk into rooms and almost see what happened to these characters. Um, and as you walk around, you kind of notice the things that have you pick up intel when they tell you what happened. It's just It's just great. So Dead Space 2, like I said, is probably a better game because they expand on everything. The graphics are a little bit better. Uh, Dead Space 3, which did come out of the Xbox 3 PS3 uh, uh, um, generation, is probably the weakest of the three. They did make some changes in there, but um, that's my game for uh, season reflections, and you'll see some gameplay up here if it's your type of style. I do think that it is still playable, and hopefully in the future we'll see a remaster of it in some form. So Dead Space, what's, what's yours this week, Ains? Yeah, no, I'll just comment on Dead Space real quick. Um, I agree with you completely. Fantastic game, great series. Uh, everything you said, you know, spot on, and I agree with. So uh, if you, for whatever reason, haven't played that and you like survival horror or those types of games, please go back and play them. And I believe uh, they are backwards compatible on the Xbox One, I believe, right? Yeah, if you have EA Access, uh, you could actually get it for free. Um, and the uh, yes, all three of them are backwards compatible now. I, originally, it was just, just Dead Space 1. And then um, Dead Space 2 and 3 came later. But yes, they are all backwards compatible. Yeah, so I mean, your EA access point's great. If you have an Xbox One, spend five bucks to get a month subscription, download them both and play them. I mean, that's the best five bucks you'll ever spend. Um, so my game this week is going to be Dead Space 2. No, I'm <laughs> just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, you know, no, just echoing the, the sediment. Um, no, and honestly, uh, my game this week is actually going to be um, Final Fantasy IX. Um, original PlayStation, uh, and I thought this would be neat to go back to because of the discussion on Final Fantasy XII Remaster just coming out this week, which I actually also picked up. Uh, I never actually played Final Fantasy XII, so I'm looking forward to, to playing that for the first time. I just, I don't know why I just bought another game that's like an 80-hour long game, so... I don't know where I'm going to find the time, but uh, I wanted to go back to Final Fantasy IX because it is actually, um, it's right up there with Final Fantasy II and three on the Super Nintendo uh, for my favorite Final Fantasies of all time. I have a huge nostalgic love for Final Fantasy II and three on the Super Nintendo. Um, so those are kind of in their own camp. But Final Fantasy IX, I adored because it went back to some of the things that I felt personally made Final Fantasy great. It kind of went more to the classic style RPG, kind of had the, the white and black mages again, and it felt more of a fantasy. You know, I <laughs> we always laugh about this, but I am not a fan of Final Fantasy VII. It's, it's considered one of the you know greatest games ever, and people adore it. And I just, I thought that game, to me, just killed what Final Fantasy was all about. And so, uh, oops. Uh, <laughs> um, so Final Fantasy IX um, did a lot more for me than Final Fantasy VII and VIII did, and I thought it was a great return. And uh, I would like to point out, just to be uh, snarky, that <laughs> Final Fantasy IX uh, Sakaguchi has mentioned is his favorite Final Fantasy as well. So, uh, you know, I'm not alone in thinking that. 
And uh, in terms of, uh, we were talking about like Metacritic or critic scores, it's also the highest rated Final Fantasy of all time as well. So if, if nine was uh, one of those ones you haven't checked out, um, in terms of playable today, it's obviously gonna be a little dated. It's PlayStation 1, so you are going back quite a ways. Uh, as I understand it, or in, you can correct me if, if you know differently, Bert, but I don't think it's ever been remade. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that it gets uh, remastered like Final Fantasy 12 at one point in time, but uh, to date, I don't think it's on uh, other platforms. But um, yeah, anyway, Final Fantasy IX, one of the best in the series, in my opinion, and uh, one of the better role-playing games out of that that generation, which produced tons of classic role-playing games. Yeah, yeah, it was funny because uh, there was a uh, Final Fantasy discussion podcast, and I've seen people compare um, Final Fantasy games to like the James Bonds that have existed, to where your favorite Final Fantasy usually tends to be what you grew up with. The funny thing is, we've, me and you, have probably played every single Final Fantasy dating back to the Super Nintendo series. So we've kind of played all of them um, at different stages. So. Um, yeah, Final Fantasy IX is one of my favorites as well. I, I always struggle with what, what my favorites are, but it's definitely one or two for me. So I have that one as well. It's definitely playable. Uh, to your question, I'm not sure if they remastered it. I kind of want to think that it was available uh, as a download for the Vita, but I, I don't think so, actually. I, I think it's still only available from a PS1 standpoint. So um, I wouldn't be sure. So if you still have your PS1s and you still can boot it up and have a working memory card, I would highly suggest it as well. So, yeah, same. so I, I quickly looked it up. So it looks like it was part of a 25th anniversary Ultimate Box in Japan in 2012. Um, and it was eventually released on uh, Windows and iOS and Android. I'm not a big fan of playing those games on uh, on phones, but apparently you can get it that way. I don't know how good the port is. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, that's our season reflections for this week, and it actually brings us to the end of our bidcast for this week. So uh, we want to thank you for listening. Um, if you're following us from a podcast standpoint, uh, make sure you're on iTunes or SoundCloud. You'd be able to get it from there. If you're following us on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. And if you have any comments towards us, we like seeing those and answering those when we can. Uh, if you are looking for kind of more mature uh, conversations, we are on Facebook. Um, you can find us by just Season Gaming and you send us a join. We'll go ahead and approve your request. We do like to have either some big news that's coming through the industry or just a conversation or even a poll every once in a while where people can kind of listen in and, and converse with other uh, gaming people like. Um, and last of all, we're on Twitter. Uh, you'll find uh, Ains as Porsche Power and me as TrebM3, so just Bert backwards. Um, and Ains, you wanted to go ahead and close this out? Yeah, I was just going to also mention that we're starting a new series on the site called Revisiting the Classics. So this is going to be uh, articles uh, going back and looking at some of the titles that were really important to the industry. Uh, you know, it can be things uh, more recent or going way, way back. It's going to be a mix as we continue forward into the future. Um, I wrote the first one. You'll probably see some uh, possibly from Bird and or Jordan in the future. But I wrote the first one. I, I chose Last of Us. Uh, as I said, I just finished it. It's one of my favorite games of all time, and I think it's one of the most important titles to the industry of all time. So that article is up. Uh, obviously, as Bert said, greatly appreciate feedback, comments, et cetera, on anything we do. But uh, that's a series that I think you'll find unique, and um, you know, we hope to, to really talk about some important titles over, over the uh, next several months or even years. So uh, that's out there. And then otherwise, uh, we look forward to hearing from you. So uh, like Bert said, please subscribe and uh, and, and rate us and uh, let us know if we can do anything better. But thanks for tuning in.